0: Well, greetings and salutations everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to seek your comments and questions. However, we normally don't have enough time to get around to all the questions that get sent in. But I want to make sure that if you sent in those questions and tips to support our channel, that you don't have to wait too long to get them answered. So I gather them up. We address them here on companion videos. Now if you're wondering how we get questions or how you send one in to be read on the John Kempton show or on a companion video like this, it's easy. Just go down to the description of this video, you'll see a tip link. Click on that or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com/movieblogtv/tip. You'll be begin your question or comment read on the show if of course we deem your question appropriate to be used on our show. And, of course, and most importantly, you'll be supporting our channel as well and all of us involved with The John Campus Show. Thank you guys very, very much for your support. And it's Sunday evening. I'll tell you what, I've had a great weekend. A very, very busy weekend, but a great weekend nonetheless. Oh, my goodness. The UFC this Saturday was unbelievable. Absolutely fantastic. And then I got to see two fantastic movies. I finally got the chance to see... Uh, West Side Story. It's the best movie of the year so far, so far. But it is my favorite movie of this year so far, West Side Story. Uh, Steven Spielberg at this point is just padding his claim and his lead as the greatest filmmaker of all time at this point. But, and then I also saw the newest Aaron Sorkin film being The Ricardos. Fantastic. So I ha- I got to see two really good movies this weekend. Very, very happy about that. We'll talk about both of those more on the John campus show tomorrow. But for now, let's do what we're here to do and get caught up on the questions that you guys have sent in. And being the weekend, we've fallen a little bit behind. So let's start getting caught up, shall we? And we're going to get things started off here with one from Brian Esparza, who writes... It seems every MCU show has a mystery character with a big reveal. Uh, WandaVision had the engineer. Uh, That wasn't really set up as a big reveal. Uh, Falcon, the winter soldier had the power broker. Loki was he who remains. Now we have uncle and Hawkeye. I like it. It keeps us guessing. Who do you think they will keep? Do you think they will keep this pattern going in the future? 2022? Well, let's be honest. Let's call what it is. This is not Marvel is not the first studio or whatever, to have who is so-and-so in their movies or TV shows. They use it as well, but it's not in all their stuff, and I don't think they use it much more than most people do, but it can be an effective kind of little narrative mechanism, right? And do I think they'll continue doing that? Again, not in everything they do, but yeah, moving forward, I can see them still using that when they need to use it. All right, thanks for sending that in, man. Next up, we go to uh, Colto22 who writes, Hey, John and crew, how would you feel if the reason critics were only shown 40 minutes of No Way Home was because there are actually multiple endings, because you know that the multiverse, thanks and keep up the great work, they're not doing that. And by the way, they are showing the full movie Monday, tomorrow. You might be watching this on Monday. If you're watching this on Monday, tonight. I was actually invited to one of the screenings for that. I'm not going, we got a private theater book for me and some of you guys and a bunch of friends to go and watch on on Thursday, I should say. So, I'm going to say that, but they are showing the full movie. They only showed 40 minutes to the press who are going to be covering the junket, but the critics are going to be seeing the full movie. And no, they're not doing multiple endings. All right. Thanks for asking though, man. I appreciate that. All right. Angela Dashner. Tips in like $50 to, Angela, thank you so much for your continuous support of our show here. It really means a lot to us. Thank you so much for that, Angela. Angela writes, John, thank you for your show. Well, thank you for watching our show. I have lunch with you. I have lunch with you and guests every day in the uh, central time zone. I know this is not a movie question, but I love the UFC, me too, uh, and I'm so excited to see Emmanuel Nunez fight this weekend. Are you excited about this card? Wow, UFC 269 and Spider-Man. Listen, Angela, you're singing a song in my ears here. Uh, Number one, that whole card was fantastic. That whole card was fantastic, and I don't think it's, A big bit of hyperbole to say Nunez's loss might be the biggest upset ever in combat sports history, at least since Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson. I mean, uh, that might be the biggest one. But since then, I can't think of a bigger upset ever like that. Like nobody gave this girl a chance at all in the world. Neither did I. And then you watch that first round, Amanda put her on her ass twice. And then she just came out firing in the second. Unbelievable. I had such a great, and then the main event lived up to the, everything was great. Every fight was great. I had a blast watching that UFC and I cannot wait for the next one when uh, Naganu takes on Gagne. That's going to be really great too, but it was fantastic for me. Absolutely was. I'm glad you loved it too, Angela. Anyway. Thank you again for tipping in like that and supporting our channel. We really appreciate it, Angela. And I hope you had as good of a time watching UFC 269 as I did. All right, let's move on here. Next up, we have Dangerous D, who writes, Hey, John, I ask you a question. Thanos is sucked into the Matrix. Who wins, Thanos or Neo? That's easy, Thanos. Uh, You said Thanos wins, but I say Neo wins. Now you're wrong. Uh, Now I will explain why Neo wins. Uh, First, the gauntlet won't in the... The gauntlet won't in the Matrix because he's no longer in the MCU dimension. It only works in its uh, universe. Second, yes, Thanos can take a punch from the Hulk, but Neo controls everything in the Matrix. He can lift Thanos up in the air with his mind, slam him into the building, and have him decapitated with his own sword without him even touching him. Neo wins, mic drop. Nah, Neo doesn't win that fight. Even without the gauntlet, Thanos wins. Even without the gauntlet. Thanos, according to Jaimon Hansu's character in Guardians of the Galaxy, is the most powerful being in the universe. So that's cool that Neo can stop some bullets. That's cool that Neo can do a lot of these things. That's cool. Thanos is the most powerful being in the universe. That's why. He wins that fight. Now, obviously, if a Matrix writer writes that, they're going to write it so Neo wins. But other than that, Thanos wins that all day, every day, in my opinion. Dangerous. All right. Thanks for writing in your thoughts. All right. Kara Black writes, hey, John, have you been watching Tom Brady's documentary show, The Man in the Arena? No, I have not. I just, I simply haven't had time. I haven't even started watching Dexter yet. Dexter New Blood. I haven't even started watching that yet, but I am going to totally binge that uh, as soon as I get a chance. Anyway, Man in the Arena on ESPN Plus. Going through... His two-decade career and his ten Super Bowls—it's been a blast to watch so far. The fourth episode this week made me emotional and sad, though. That's—I'm gonna guess that's the one where they had the undefeated season before losing in the Super Bowl. I'm gonna guess—I'm just guessing—that's the one. But no, listen. Obviously, Tom Brady is the goat of goats. I cannot wait to watch this again. I've just—there's a lot of things I'm behind on watching, so I haven't had a chance yet, Kara. But I'm totally excited to watch it. All right, next up. Kara Black also writes with all the female superheroes that Feige is bringing into the MCU during phase four. It feels to me like Marvel is clearly building up towards an A-Force film as their fifth Avengers film for phase five and not young Avengers. I disagree. I think just because he's bringing him some new female characters to balance out. Like, look, here's the thing that everybody always misses. The first 20 movies in the MCU were all white male leads. 20 in a row. That's why I laugh at some of these basement-dwelling, you know, cousin humpers when they're like, there's one movie with a black lead. Really? One one film? They did 20 films in a row where a white guy was the lead. And, I, and they were great 20 films in a row. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying if, like, say, two out of three movies – have either a female lead or a black lead, if two out of three equals Marvel has a total agenda, then what do you call 20 straight movies in a row with white male leads? Does, did 20 movies in a row mean that Marvel had an agenda of hating women and hating black people and hating Asian people? No, it's just those are the movies they made. And now that they're not doing exclusively movies with male leads, white male leads, because they're not just exclusively doing that, that means they have some kind of woke agenda. <laughs> anyway, it's hilarious to me. It's hilarious to me. But I don't nec- I honestly think they're just bringing these characters just cuz they're no longer they no longer have an agenda of exclusion. Like for a long time For decades and decades and decades and decades, Hollywood has had a very strong, very predominant agenda of exclusion. And all we're seeing now is them starting to sweep that agenda aside. Just get rid of the exclusion agenda aside and start to make some of these movies. Now that we've had 20 something in a row, let's start to make some of these movies with these other characters. And it's working and it's profitable. So I don't think they need to have a specific reason, like an A-Force movie, to start bringing in some of these female characters. I think they're just bringing in some of these female characters because it rounds out and balances out the MCU well. I mean, that's it. I don't think it's anything more than that. I don't think they have to have a specific reason. Well, we want to make an A-Force movie, so we better start bringing in female characters. No, it's like, well, hey, you know what? We have a lot of great characters in the MCU. Let's stop excluding the ones that aren't just white guys and actually start bringing those ones in too. And I honestly think that's just it. So no, I don't think they're building up to an A-Force movie. But they have hinted before, you know, that they could be looking at an A-Force, but I don't think that's the reason they're bringing in more female characters. I just think they're getting rid of the exclusion at this point. At least that's my take on it. All right, thanks for that, Kara. All right, next up. Kara Black also writes, with Charlie Cox returning as Daredevil, maybe, and Vincent D'Onofrio seemingly returning as kin- Kingpin, maybe, uh, over under 70% that John Bernthal, Kristen Ritter, L. O. D. Young, and Wilson Bethel will also return as The Punisher, Jessica Jones, Electra, and Bullseye. Okay, so here's the thing. Kevin Feige has not said that Charlie Cox is coming back as Daredevil. That's not what he said. What he said was... If we do Daredevil, it will be Charlie Cox. Now, obviously, most people now believe that he's going to be in Spider-Man No Way Home. I mean, there were reports of that a year ago. But so today, most people believe he's going to be in that. And most of us believe that Vincent D'Onofrio is going to show up as Kingpin in uh, Hawkeye. But a lot of us also believe that this is not going to be Netflix's version of Daredevil, nor will it be their version of Kingpin. This will be a new iteration of Daredevil and Kingpin, which means they don't necessarily, if they have a Punisher, it doesn't have to be the John Bernthal Punisher. Um, so i I'm going to go well under 70%. Now, I'm not saying zero. I'm not saying zero at all. But if you're asking me over or under that they would have, say... They that if they are bringing Charlie and Vincent in, that that also means they're going to bring in LOD and they're going to bring in Kristen and they're going to be bring in Bernthal and stuff like that. I'm going to go under, quite under. I don't think bringing in those two means they have to bring over the whole Netflix universe because I don't think they are because I don't think this is going to be the Netflix's Daredevil or the Netflix's Kingpin. And I don't think they're going to want to push it too much to avoid confusion, but I don't know. So again, I'm not saying zero. I'm not saying zero. I'm just saying probably well under 70%. All right. Next up, we go to Peter Cunnington. And Peter Cunnington writes John, what is the biggest screen sized movie theater you ever went to? I went to IMAX in London, England, biggest in Britain, hoping to go over there to go there over Christmas when I'm visiting family to see the new Spider Man or Matrix. Uh, It depends on if you only mean inside. Because any screen, it would be a drive-in movie theater. Drive-in movie theater is probably the biggest screen I've ever seen a movie on. Other than that, probably a proper... I'm going to say probably prop, a proper IMAX screen that I saw in Toronto. That's probably the biggest one I've ever personally been to. Uh, the big IMAX screen here in Los Angeles, like at IMAX's headquarters, is also pretty big, if I'm remembering that one correctly. But but really, the biggest one is... Uh, is uh, is a drive-in theater screen, really. All right, thanks for writing that in, Peter, and I hope you get out to London for that. All right, Alan Ling writes, and he sends in like a $20 tip. Thank you, Alan, for supporting our channel on that level, man. Uh, One of three. Hey, John, it's not my first time tipping, but I'm a relatively new fan of yours. Oh, thank you so much for that, Alan. Uh, Since earlier this year, like in April, maybe, I just wanted to take a moment and say thanks for what you do and that I really enjoy your show. Uh, I deal with depression and uh, anxiety. Movies and TV shows are something I'm into as a hobby, but they help me to cope with mental difficulties I deal with. Watching your show is something that has given me a lot of joy, and I feel I've learned uh, various things about the movies and TV industry through your giving your opinions based on your experiences in the industry. I'm not sure this message will read during a live show, and here it is, uh, but in case it isn't, please also give my regards to Kim, Ray, Rob, and Aaron, too. Love seeing your talks. And obviously, okay, so that's what you meant by live. Yeah, so yes, it's during my recorded one. Well, listen, Alan, first of all, thank you for being here and being one of our viewers. It's appreciated very much. Um, But look, I always talk about how one of the greatest things about movies is the fact that they a lot of people call movies an escape. And while that is true as well, it's far more than just an escape. I like to call them an oasis. You know, you guys have heard me say many times on my show, like a lot of times when I'm in a difficult place in my life or something hard is going on in my life, sometimes just popping in and and watching a movie, it allows my mind to relax, and to dream and to imagine and to take in a fantasy on the big screen whether it's a horror movie where i get to get lost in the in the horror and the fear of it or a comedy where i get to laugh or an action film where i get to be thrilled or a, a biopic where i get to get sucked into the life of another real person or whatever and i find that when your imagination is just allowed and your mind is just allowed to play in that sort of mental playground of storytelling that It gives your mind a breather, a chance to recuperate a bit. And I always say this too, when you come out of a movie, my problems are still there. It's just that maybe I'm a little bit better equipped now to deal with them. Maybe I have a little bit of a different perspective, or maybe now I just have a little bit more of a fresh mind. Watching movies doesn't make your problems go away, but it might enable you to deal with them a little bit better and a little bit more effectively. And that's why they're powerful. And why I love the movie fan community and love being a part of it is because I find just having discussions about movies and storytelling with my fellow fans does that as well. And if uh, this show has been one of those outlets for you, man, that is awesome. And it's a privilege. And we're really glad you're here and watching this with us. And we're really glad we can be a part of that community with you, man. So thanks for sharing your thoughts, dude. I appreciate that. All right. Next up, we got Javier Oliva who writes, "Uh, John and crew, let's play. Uh, Wouldn't you love if the Echo series is a Captain America Serpent Society situation? It's not. Uh, What if they need to begin production, but in fact it is Daredevil? Uh, Come on, Chapek, you give us Shang-Chi 2, make this happen, thoughts? Nah. No, I don't think so. Look, the big difference, I've heard other people say, I've heard, this isn't the first time, by the way, Javier, that I've heard somebody speculate that, what if the Echo series isn't actually Echo? It's like... Something else. It's the return of Iron Man, or it's Daredevil, or it's something else like that. And they point to, they did this once with Captain America. The difference is that Captain America Serpent Society was still a Captain America movie. They just didn't tell us which Captain America story it was. So they let us believe for a while it was Captain America and the Serpent Society. Society. But then they revealed to us... I was actually there. I was there in person when they actually announced and revealed that that movie was actually Captain America Civil War. So it's not really the same situation with Echo. And uh, no, they're doing Echo. And right now I'm not thrilled about it because so far Echo doesn't seem, from what little we've seen of Echo in Hawkeye, I don't really see why you would build a show around this character. But I give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's see where they go with it. All right. Thanks for writing that in, have you? I appreciate that, man. All right. Next up, James Lockman writes, uh, one of two. Yes. I was one of the unfortunate ones that uh, bought the Phantom Menace soundtrack a couple of weeks before the movie came out. But it wasn't Qui-Gon's noble end that caught my eye. It was Qui-Gon's funeral that caught my eye first. Right then, I knew. Uh, The reason why Obi-Wan yells out, no, in the trailer. Star Wars fans are very uh, vocal about not wanting any spoilers. So I was surprised that Lucasfilm released that info. From that point on, I became extremely careful when buying soundtracks, LOL. Yeah, again, this of course came up because the other day, supposedly, uh, the soundtrack for Spider-Man No Way Home came in, and a, couple, a name of the couple of tracks might have been kind of spoilery, but I don't think they were spoilery because they're things we've all already known for well over a year, so it's not, it's not even worth discussing anymore. But that did bring us back to when The Phantom Menace was coming out, and they actually released the soundtrack, with tracks called Qui Gon's Noble End, and I forgot about the one called Qui Gon's Funeral. <laughs> like, kind of major stuff. And they, like, why they didn't just change the name of those songs? I don't know. So I feel for you, man. I, I remember that well, James. I remember that well. All right. Next up, Russell Amador writes Hey, John. There are two movies that come out this month, other than Spider-Man, that uh, is that is that that is like to see. Uh, one being Swan Song and A Journal for Jordan. Both look like solid movies based on the trailers. Are these on your radar? Oh, and go Poirier this weekend. Uh, yeah, it didn't work out so well for Poirier. Listen, I'm telling you, man, uh, Oliveira is for real. I mean, he is for real, real. Uh, I mean, I think a guy like Justin Gagey can give him fits, but for real, real. No, these ones aren't really on my radar. Obviously, look, a, a lot of attention is being taken up with Matrix. A lot of attention has been taken up with West Side Story, which, by the way, is, like I said earlier, it's my favorite film of the year now. I, I personally think it's the best film of the year so far, but there are still some big ones to call. And obviously, Spider-Man and things like that. So those are the ones that have kind of been predominantly uh, gaining the radar there, Russell. All right. Next up, uh, James Lockman writes, one of three what a great way to end out the year with some films i'm looking forward to watching which are licorice pizza which is another one that i think a lot of people are buzzing is going to be best picture contender don't look up which is not getting the type of reviews that i was hoping it would get west side story best film of the year no way home nightmare alley which i'm very excited about nightmare alley now the tender bar that's the new ben affleck one matrix the king's man and american underdog Uh, we've also got the Book of Boba Fett, I'm very excited about that. The Witcher, which I totally forgot, I'm watching tomorrow night. I'm watching The Witcher tomorrow night. They're letting me watch it early. Anyway, season two coming out to lead us into the new year. I love the holidays, and thank you, John, Kim, Ray, and everyone in this community for brightening up my day and letting me escape this pandemic era Uh that we are still in while we discuss everything we love about the movies. And John, I got my tickets for Spider-Man on Thursday and Friday. I also got my tickets for the King's man and the matrix. Gotta love that regal unlimited membership. I'll tell you what, James. Yeah, this, this next couple of weeks is a great way to end the year because just on the television side, book of Boba Fett, the Witcher season two, I am phenomenally excited about both of these things. Like extremely excited about both of them. And like you were pointed out, We've got Spider-Man: No Way Home, which I mean everybody's ludicrously excited about. Uh, Licorice Pizza, which I people keep going, whoa, John doesn't care about. This. No, no, I do. I just didn't think the trailer was good, but I'm totally convinced it's going to be one of the best movies of the year. Uh, West Side Story once again ended up being my Nightmare Alley looks amazing. I mean, we got a really good tight couple of weeks coming up here, and yes, Regal and Un- listen stuff like Regal Unlimited an AMCA list. AMCA list is the one I have, but programs like this are the greatest things ever to happen to movie fans. Like you pay a monthly membership fee and you basically get to see all the movies you want. I mean, for AMCA list, that means three movies a week. That means 12 a month. That's, that's more than most people are ever going to watch in their lives. So, um, that's great. I love these things and I'm glad you're getting a lot of use out of them, James. All right, next up, uh, drew wick writes one of two. Hey, John, Uh, I just wanted to say, Encanto is a beautiful film. It really is. Within the first 10 minutes, my wife was in tears. Why, you ask? With no spoilers. It would be hard to explain, but taking away the magical aspects, and, and I felt like it was watching my wife as a little girl. I feel I have a better understanding of what she must have gone through as a child, as the outcast. Thanks for all you do for film appreciation. Well, listen, Drew, I'll tell you what. I was a little bit late to the Encanto party. Like I I remember I wanted to see it a certain day and then I couldn't. And then two days turned into four days. And then I finally did see it. I am really taken with Encanto. Like I don't think it's on the same level as Coco or, you know, uh, or Up or Incredible or whatever like that. But it is a really charming, lovely little animated film that my wife and I walked out of just smiling and we are singing a little bit of We Don't Talk About Bruno and things like that. It is a charming little movie, and I could totally see, knowing the film, why maybe a lot of people, like your wife maybe, kind of felt like they identified with it. Thanks for sharing that, Drew. Appreciate that. I'm glad you like the movie. All right, next up. Suthius writes, uh, After what we saw of Laura in the latest episode of Hawkeye, uh, many of us are getting the feeling that she is or was a spy. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously she's got something. There's something in her past out of curiosity. I went back to where we first met Laura age of Ultron to see if I can find any clues as the team enters the safe house and is shocked about Clint having a wife. Tony jokingly says, uh, this is an agent of some kind possible clue and foreshadow perhaps. Then Laura chuckles and says, I know all of your names. Of course she does. She was probably given files and briefed about, uh, Each single Avenger. No, I don't think that. I think it's just Clint tells her who. Clint clearly just told her who she's working with. I don't think she has files on all of them. Anyway. Now, other fans are theorizing that she could have been Mockingbird, which has been one of the big predominant theories. Her choice of weapon? Batons. But only batons we have seen have been used by Natasha. So, I said to myself... I wonder, I went back and looked at photos and movie clips of Natasha in fighting scenes in Iron Man 2, First Avengers, Winter Soldier, and the first Age of Ultron, and she always used guns. Um, She did not start using batons until after the final battle of Age of Ultron, after the visit to the safe house. Coincidence? Yes. Uh, Maybe, Laura passing down her weapons to Nat. Maybe, uh, did I look too far into this? Yes, you did. Uh, maybe, but we all know that a lot of details in these movies mean something or are brought up later again. Not really. Like I, I think here's the thing. I think a lot of people, and I do this myself. I think a lot of people will ascribe meaning to things when really there was no meaning there in the first place. And really when when Natasha started using batons is completely an irrelevant point in the MCU. It's completely a frivolous, irrelevant thing. Which weapon she chooses to fight with. It, we're not like talking about Mjolnir with Thor or the Eye of Thundera with lion right? It, it's like whether she used guns or she used sticks, it, it's really not an important thing. And it's so irrelevant. It's not something they would plan six years in advance to plant a seed in one movie that six or seven years from now we will then, I, I don't think so. So well, that is some damn good investigative work, Suthius that is some damn good film fan investigative work. I do think you're reading way too much into it. To be honest with you, brother, I do it too. We all do it, but I think on this one, you might be reading too much into it, but Hey, let, who knows? Maybe there's going to be some line in, in the next episode, which is, uh, of course, Tuesday night for us in Los Angeles, Wednesday morning for those of you living in other time zones, maybe, that where Laura says, it's like when I gave Nat my batons. I mean, if that comes up, great. But for now, I think it's maybe reading a bit too much into it. All right. Thanks for sharing that, dude. Well presented, though. You presented your argument well. All right. Next up. Wally writes, uh, assuming... Ch- Assuming to Toby and Andrew are in the movie, you think the multiverse could bring Gwen back for Andrew Spidey? No. Or showing Toby, Spidey, and MJ are finally married, giving closure to the movies? No, I don't think so. I mean, is that outside of the realm of possibility? No, it's not outside the realm of possibility. But it's, I mean, these are adding entire layers of story and narrative to a a movie that could become overstuffed. I've been saying this a lot lately. Adding characters to a story and narrative does not overstuff a film. Adding too many narratives and too many stories to a movie, that's what makes a movie feel overstuffed. So, no, I, I don't think they're going to be bringing Gwen back or showing the future and bringing Kristen Dunst back to show Toby's, you know, Spider-Man having his... I don't think they're going to do that. Again, not Impossible. It's within the realm of possibility, but if you're asking me, do I think that's what they're going to do? No, I don't think that's what they're going to do, but let's see Wally. All right. Thanks for writing that in, dude. Next up. We got seconds from disaster rights. Hey, John, Ray and Kim. And obviously Ray and Kim aren't here right now. Big fan of the show. Thank you so much. So with your hate for Netflix films film slash love for Michael Pena, have you seen slash plan to see extinction? Oh, I saw that when it came out. Yes. I think it was a cool take on the invasion with big surprises. What are your thoughts? John Campion voice uh, awful film. Yeah, I remember when Extinction was coming out, because not only is Michael Peña, I mean, that's the first thing that caught my attention, is Michael Peña's in it. So I wanted to see it. And it's an alien invasion film. Want to see it. That's some twists and turns in it. But the other thing is, I love Lizzie Kaplan. I love Lizzie Kaplan. I honestly think she's like one of the sexiest women in Hollywood. I really do. And I, and she, she's, I think she's got great natural comedic timing. I think she's super funny when she's on screen. I think she's a terrific performer. Love her. So she was in that too. But the movie, in my opinion, like if you liked it, dude, that's awesome. And I celebrate that you liked it if you did. So that's great. I'm not trying to dissuade you from your appreciation of the film. But you asked me what my thoughts on it. My thoughts was it was ass. I thought it was complete ass awful. I'm like, man, if you can't even make an alien invasion film with Michael Pena watchable, that's not good, Netflix. That's not good. So yeah, I actually personally thought it was... uh, It was pretty disappointing and pretty bad, to be honest with you. But I'm glad you liked it, dude. I'm glad you liked it. All right, next up. Uh, Dave Green writes, All this talk about Spider-Man No Way Home, and nobody is talking about the underappreciated John Watts. Hey, I've been bringing up John Watts a lot. Just let's be fair here. Anyway, who is about to have directed one of the biggest comic book movies of all time. Haven't even seen him do press. Thoughts? Well, no, we've, we've brought up several times on the show. It's like, hey, listen. Let's give some due to John Watts. He's done such a great job with Homecoming and Far From Home. And, of course, now he's doing uh, No Way Home, and then he's going to be doing Fantastic Four. Yeah, he deserves a lot of credit. I can understand why he's not doing press tour because I I, I still think a lot of people... Look, the reality is if you ask a lot of even comic book movie fans, what's the name of the director of uh, Spider-Man... No Way Home. I bet you there's a lot of even like Spider-Man fans and MCU fans that couldn't tell you the name of the director, right? So I'm not surprised he's not doing that kind of stuff. But yeah, I was surprised when I heard that he was going to do Fantastic Four only because I really thought Peyton Reed was a good fit for that, the guy who's been directing the Ant-Man movies. But when they named John Watts, I was perfectly happy with that. He's done a great job with the Spider-Man films, and I think he's going to do a really good job with Fantastic Four as well. All right, thanks for writing that in, Dave. Okay, next up. We've got uh, Emily Crumble and Emily Crumble writes, I am all over these leaked videos, leaked music, deep fakes, etc., all over the Internet for No Way Home. It's now just annoying with a week left to go and the movie being released sooner in Europe. You guys do get to see it sooner than us in some countries. Let's just see what happens, people. Hashtag uh, dumb trolls. Yeah, listen, I'll be honest with you at this point. Like I still get messages every day from people saying, ooh, did you hear that Andrew Garfield worded something like this? Or did you hear that Tom Holland worded something like that? Or did you see the leak soundtrack? And I'm like, guys, we all know that Toby and Andrew are in this movie. Everybody's known it for a year. They've certainly known it for at least three or four months, ever since that video of Andrew Garfield leaked online in his Spider-Man costume in front of the green screen. I mean, so I don't know why everybody's still fascinated by the question. I just don't know why everybody's still fascinated by the question. Who cares what any of them say at this point? We all know they're going to be there. Now, if they're not in it, then that's a story. Like, if they get us through this movie where Andrew and Toby are not in this film, it will be one of the greatest misdirect Marvel PR jobs in the history of film. And all I'll be able to do is to stand up and just slow clap for Marvel for like a month, saying, that would have been a masterpiece of PR misdirect. But aside from that, look, we all know it's in there. So I'm with you. I don't I don't know why there's this obsession with that question still when everybody's known it forever. Eh, that's just me. But hey, the movie opens this week, Emily. That's the good news. The movie opens this week and then the hype train will finally be over. All right, next up. Dave Green writes, Random thought. But over under 40%, we see Deadpool in the MCU between Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange 2. Well, there is no other MCU movie between Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange 2, unless you mean like including Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange 2. I think it's closer to 2%. So practically impossible. Not totally impossible, just practically impossible. So I'm going to take far, far, far under 40%. I'm going to say way down around 2 to 3% at most, Dave. That's, that's my guess on that. But he'll be in the MCU soon enough. All right, next up. Devin writes, Hey, John, Kim and Ray, and obviously Kim and Ray are not here right now. Big fan from North Carolina. Thank you so much. Been watching the show for a few years. Thank you so much for that, dude. Love the show. It's my first time tipping in. Well, thank you for the support, Devin. We appreciate that. Pumped for No Way Home. Seeing it Friday night at 940. Hope to meet you guys uh, one day. Bring on the filthy. It is so cool. Like you can tell there's an excitement for a movie going around. When people are like, we've been having a lot of people, Devin, doing this, just writing and saying what showtime and where they're going to go see Spider-Man away home. That's how, you know, people are really pumped because, you know, there's a, a lot of true film fans who are excited about West Side Story, but nobody's writing in. I got my tickets for West Side Story Friday, 730 p.m. Row six at the Regal Cinema and what like you don't get that. That doesn't happen there. But for something like Spider-Man No Way Home, that is a huge indicator that people are pumped. When they're just writing and saying, I got my tickets for this day, I got my tickets for this time, it's a, it's an exciting time, Devin. So anyway, listen, dude, thanks for being here and thanks for being a viewer of our show. And I hope you have a great time watching Spider-Man No Way Home, man. All right, next up. We got Isaac uh, Res- Resiker. I'm going to say Resiker. hope I'm pronouncing that right, Isaac. Isaac Resiker writes, Hey, John, been a a fan since the AMC movie days. Thank you so much. Do you think there would be a possibility of seeing seeing Sharon Carter in the movie as the power broker who gives Green Goblin and the other villains their tech? Okay. Whenever you ask, do you think it's possible? The answer is always yes. In movies, if you ever start a question with, do you think there's a possibility? Then I'll just stop you right there and say yes. Whenever a question starts with, is there a possibility? The answer is yes. Is there a possibility they could bring in Sharon Carter? Yes. Is there a probability that they will bring in Sharon Carter? Absolutely not. No, they're not going to bring in. I I don't believe for a second they're going to bring in Sharon Carter uh, into this whatsoever. Now, is the possibility there? Does an avenue exist that if they wanted to? Of course they could. Absolutely. I mean, we could see Quicksilver. Come back from the dead in this movie that is a possibility but i don't think we're going to see quicksilver come back from the dead here although you never know with wanda coming into doctor strange 2 maybe quicksilver comes back from the dead from another universe who knows but no i i don't suspect we're going to see sharon carter in this at all i don't think we're gonna see her at all all right next up uh not kevin feige writes notice bob Iger at the west side story and the Kingsman premieres but no sign of bob chapek not surprised I mean, Bob Iger, he literally always supported his creators. Bob Iger showed up at every premiere, at every event, just even though he didn't need to be there just to show his support for his creatives. That's just the type of leader Bob Iger was, and Disney's going to miss him. All right, next up. Uh, Giovanni, uh, the movie Canon, writes, Tech question. Ooh, I love tech questions. Tech question. Just bought a Mac Pro Intel Core i5, so one of the older ones. I'm using it to edit in Final Cut Pro uh, X for my YouTube channel. That's great. But I wanted to use two of my USB mics, HyperX Quadcast S and Yeti mic at the same time. That's problematic. Do you know if it's possible to do this? Thank you. All right. I think there are workarounds to make it work. But generally speaking, a Mac, most computers will not let you use two USBs at once. Now, give me one quick second here. Okay, I, I brought up an article here for you to so just so you can go and look for it yourself. Uh, look for the podcast host. Can you record with two USB microphones? So go, if you search in Google for the podcast host, can you record with two USB microphones into one computer? Uh, here's the article. So this kind of gives the answer. Generally speaking, it's not a good idea to even try. And generally, usually you can't. The better option is to get two XLR microphones and then a USB interface. And then the US. So you plug your microphones like I do with my uh, Rode... Uh, uh, my Rodecaster Pro, right? I have a soundboard that I plug four microphones into, XLR microphones into it, and then I connect a USB cable from the mixer into my computer. That is a great way to get multiple mics into your computer. Doing it with, trying to do it two USBs is, is complicated and tricky. And like even the podcast host says, it's not a good idea, but they do say, okay, there are options to try with software and things like that. So, uh, and again, go and find this article. Once again, the podcast host can you record to USBs? But honestly, your better bet is to get um, is to get uh, XLR microphones. And you, there, you can get XLR microphones pretty inexpensively. By the way, you can even get XLR microphones cheaper than USB microphones, and then buy just a nice little cheap, probably $100, maybe $150 USB interface. And in the long run, you will be very happy that you did that. But again, if you really need it to have two USBs, go and check out that article I just showed you. Okay, let's move on here. Next up, uh, we've got X-Men in No Way Home writes, Hey, I want to say that there is a pivotal moment in Days of Future Past where Magneto stands on top of a train and uses his powers to rip up the railroad tracks to control the sentinels that looks identical to Strange standing on the train in No Way Home trailer. I I don't think there's any connection there. I, I I think that any similarity there is probably just coincidental, especially since that movie was made under Fox long before they thought Fox was being taken over by Disney. So I don't I think that's probably just purely purely coincidental. But good observation on that X Men. All right, Winter Naomi Vera writes. You wish for the MCU and the DC films, the DC film CU uh, to put an end to the multiverse as soon as possible. But the Batman is the first new film in the greater multiverse and would be a cause a, a casualty of it being erased. Is it the exception to the rule? No, they're completely different things, Winter Naomi. Completely different things. Like DC and Warner Brothers, when they're trying to tell stories outside of the DC cinematic universe, they're just using the verbiage of a multiverse. But we're never going to see Joaquin Phoenix cross over into the Flash, into the Ezra Miller Flash or anything like that, right? They just kind of use that verbiage. And I like telling stories that aren't connected to your shared cinematic universe, that are separate, standalone things. That is different from multiverse, where here comes Doc Ock from that movie franchise, and here comes Jamie Foxx from that movie franchise, and here comes this guy, and here comes, and everybody, every single movie becomes a just giant shit show. Now that I'm saying Spider-Man No Way Home is a shit show. I'm just saying, you know, there's a and it's all it all interconnects and it all interweaves and it all intermingles. See, that's multiverse. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about multiverse. Having a separate movie thing that's just standalone storytelling. Like Joker, that's a different thing. That's a different thing altogether. I actually want Marvel to do more of that. Uh, Marvel has never done it. Well, what if it's kind of a little bit, at any anyway, rate, I actually want Marvel to do that. I would love for them to say, just do a Bishop movie where it's it's not in the MCU, nor does it connect in any way to the MCU. It's its true own thing. Like what DC did with Joker. So, yeah, to me, Winter Naomi, they are two completely different things. Two completely different things. All right, next up. Uh, Raymond Verado writes, ET Canada, that's Entertainment Tonight Canada, reported that Instagram blocked Florence Pugh for posting her Hawkeye pics when someone complained they didn't want to be spoiled. If pics or info came from a star of the show, it's GIFT. Though I am still pissed my friend spoiled Mandalorian. By the way, I don't know if that's exactly how it went down with Florence Pugh on Instagram. I think that might be an oversimplification. But, yeah, listen. If a director or a studio or a distributor or a star of the film releases something to the public, to me that's not spoiler. That's just marketing. And marketing is not Spoiler. Because a spoiler is something that fundamental to me, the way I define a spoiler is a piece of information that fundamentally alters your viewing experience of a movie and finding out all oh, a cameo in this, that, that does, that doesn't fundamentally change your view of how you view and understand an entire movie. Like uh, understanding the nature of Bruce Willis's character in The Sixth Sense. If you find that out before you watch the movie, that fundamentally alters the way you view the whole movie. If you are going in to watch The Usual Suspects for the first time and you find out the nature of Kevin Spacey's character, that fundamentally changes the whole way you watch that whole movie. If you find out that Hulk isn't actually in the Wakanda scene that they've been playing, that's not that's not really a spoiler. That's just a momentary thing you find out that has very, very isolated and it's influence of your overall movie watching experience. So that's just me. But so yeah, to me, if an actor puts out something, then that's meant to be a part of the marketing, which means to the directors and the filmmakers and the people creating the story, they don't believe that bit of information is going to fundamentally alter the way you view that entire movie or show as the case may be. So, Yeah, I don't think it can be considered a spoiler. Personally, I don't, again, but that's the hard thing about spoilers, right? Is that everybody has a different definition of spoiler. Because to some people, you tell them, well, there's a scene in the second act of the movie where um, they're eating dinner. Oh no, No, there's a scene where they're eating dinner. You spoiled the movie for me, right? There are some people who feel like that's a spoiler. And then you have a lot of people who feel like anything short of, you know, the nature of Bruce Willis's character in Sixth Sense isn't a spoiler. Short of that, so nobody really has like you watching a trailer, and it's like, oh, there's a there's a scene where we see Peter in the sanctum. That's a spoiler. I didn't want to know Peter visits the sanctum, but so, I'm telling you, you think that's ridiculous. But there are some people out there who think that was a spoiler, even though it was in the trailer. And that's part of the difficult thing. as We as fans have a very difficult time talking about spoilers because we as fans don't have an agreed-upon definition of a spoiler. Every A spoiler means something different to everybody. So it's, it's a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing, Raymond. I think Florence Pugh might have got caught up in that confusion as well. All right. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, Raymond. Next up, DNA writes, Hello, John, Kim, and Ray. And obviously, Kim and Ray aren't here right now. Uh, do you have any advice for people who want to enjoy No Way Home, but unfortunately, here's spoilers. Yes. Understand that it won't matter. It just won't matter. If we find out that in one scene, Hob, like Goblin and Aunt May fall in love. Okay. But that doesn't tell us really anything about the overall arc of the movie. And it's okay. And I will offer, it's an extreme example, but I believe it's applicable here. I keep on bringing up, because it's so obvious, a Titanic. We know Titanic sinks at the end. We know when they're having the party in the boat and everybody's dancing their jigs. Do, 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 woo. It's like, wow, I bet you Titanic's going to get to the end of its journey and everybody's happy. No, we all know that at some point that boat is going to hit an iceberg and then it's going to rip open uh, a gaping wound in its side, and it it will slowly but eventually, it'll sink. And most people on that boat are going to die. We know that. But that doesn't alter or that doesn't hurt our overall enjoyment of the movie. We knew the ultimate spoiler of Titanic going into it, but it didn't take away how great the movie was. We watched Saving Private Ryan... We know we win the war. But we don't know what specifically happens to certain characters and all that kind of stuff. And we see old man Matt Damon at the end. But, you know, so so what I would say to people, if you hear, I mean, try to avoid them if you can. But, I mean, if you do hear them, don't worry about it. It's, the movie is either good or it's not. And if you go and watch Spider-Man No Way Home. And you found out that Goblin falls in love with Aunt May. And if you walk out thinking that was a bad movie, it wasn't because Goblin fell. It wouldn't be because you found out Goblin fell in love with Aunt May. If it's a good movie, it's a good movie. And you're going to enjoy it, even if you find out a couple of details before watching it. And I know everybody is very, very, you know, itchy trigger finger right now. (laughs) Spoiled. But the movie is the movie. It's the telling of the story. I know how Princess Bride ends, but I watch it with every bit of joy and and love in my heart every time I watch it, even though I know every single detail that happens in it. When I go back and watch Avengers Endgame, I know everything that happens in the movie already, almost by heart. But I still, that doesn't stop me from having an incredibly joyous, wonderful time watching that movie or watching Shang-Chi seven times in theaters or whatever, even though I already know every single thing that happens. Does that mean we shouldn't care about spoilers? No, but I am But I would say, if you're asking me what advice would I give, it's like, just don't worry about it. If it happens, that sucks, but don't worry about it. Because if it's a good movie, at the end of the day, it won't really matter, as long as it's a good movie. All right, at least that's what I, if you're asking for for my point of view on that, DNA, that would be my point of view on that. All right, next up, uh, Daki writes, Here's my prediction. Instead of Toby and Andrew, we get both Stewart's and McAvoy's Professor Xavier. The last shot in the movie is Stewart saying, get to Alkali Lake. Of course, that's a throwback to the original X-Men movies. Then we see Peter hiking to the lake and we see you, Pisces, just dancing in the snow. That's right, because that was in Canada. Alkali Lake, I believe, was supposed to be in Canada in the movies. So I'd be up there doing my thing. Yeah, listen, I don't think it's impossible that we do end up seeing Patrick Stewart in it. I'm not telling you that's what we're going to see. I'm just saying I don't think it's impossible. Remember, a couple of years ago, Patrick Stewart acknowledged that Kevin Feige had approached him about appearing in something. Now, he dis- he said to the reporters that I declined it, but who declines Kevin Feige? So I'm just thinking there's a possibility Patrick Stewart pops up. A lot of people thought it might have been in WandaVision. I thought there was a possibility it would be WandaVision. So uh, maybe we could. Again, I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying I think there's, there's an outside chance of it. All right. Not Kevin Feige writes, I think the Illuminati will have mostly different members. I don't even believe they're going to have the Illuminati in the MCU, to be honest. But who knows? Uh, Speaking of the Illuminati, you think we'll see a Doctor Strange 2 trailer when No Way Home comes out? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think they're going to hold off on, uh, because No Way, uh, Doctor Strange 2 is still like, like one, two, three, four months away. Something like that. Four or five months away. Um, Spider-Man, no way home. I think they held off on the trailers until like three months out, or I mean, I might not be remembering that correctly, but nah, I don't think so. I think there could be something in a post credit scene that maybe hints or alludes to Dr. Strange two. Um, but I don't think we're going to see a Dr. Strange two trailer in front of Spider-Man, no way home. At least I'm, I'm guessing not. We'll find out though. All right. Next up, uh, Aiden Trouski writes, Hello, John and friends. Long time listener here. Thank you for being a long time listener, Aiden. I came across a story today about Letitia Wright possibly not returning for Black Panther 2 after refusing to be vaccinated. It was trending on Twitter today. So I thought um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And again, that is not true. She is coming back. There were already reports that came out a few days ago, like legitimate reports from legitimate sites um, that they are going to be picking back up, shooting Black Panther 2. I think they said either next week or in a couple of weeks. Can't remember. But that Letitia Wright is going to be part of that. Now, there was going to be a big problem in that Letitia Wright got injured on set and went, flew somewhere. But there is a vaccine mandate for you to re-enter the country Where Black Panther 2 is shooting and Letitia Wright has, up until now, refused to get vaccinated. Which causes a problem. If she can't come back to where they're shooting the movie, what do they do? But apparently something's been worked out. I don't know if she decided to get vaccinated or if they were able to work some kind of visa out. I I don't know. But according to legitimate reports, they are going to be picking up shooting again and she will be back. All right. Uh, Next up. But, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Okay, next up. We've got Kevin Dwyer who writes, Hi, John. I've been a fan of yours for a long time and appreciate your voice of reason and insight into the world of film and TV. Well, thank you for the kind words, Kevin. I appreciate that. I love Superman and I love Henry Cavill in the role. When do you think is the earliest we will see the next solo Superman film? The earliest? 2023. That's the earliest we'll see the next one. And of course, there are a couple of Superman things underway. Most predominantly is that J.J. Abrams one. Um, I think we will see Henry Cavill as Superman again. Like, again, we just talked about on the show the other day that Henry Cavill came up and talked about, Hey, we can have multiple Superman. Don't worry about it. So I personally think we will see Henry Cavill back again, but I think the earliest we're going to see a solo Superman movie, because there are a couple of iterations in the works right now. I think the absolute earliest is 2023. It might even be a little bit later than that. And I don't know which one it'll be, but I think 2023 will be the earliest one, Kevin. All right, let's move on here. Next up. All right, next up. We've got Nick of Music who writes, I have a film, No Way Home Theory, that seems almost certain to me that I haven't heard addressed. Hooded Defoe is not a new goblin. All of the villains are will become upgraded versions of themselves. We see Ock being upgraded, old Electro, et cetera. What do you think? I don't think it has something to do with being upgraded. Like we saw a new recent goblin spot um for no way home and in it we saw Goblin's broken mask on the ground so what I think pure speculation like pure wild speculation on my part here Nick but what I think happens is that he's in the whatever his initial battle is that breaks away and then you know Willem Defoe's revealed and then we get the hooded one but I don't know you that's you could be right because we do see Doc Ock get upgraded Maybe that's part of it, but I think he loses in battle. That's why the mask is broken. But I don't know. Your theories is a pretty good one, too. Nick, thanks for sharing it, man. All right. Next up, Nostradamus writes, Hey, John, I had this dream that Robert Downey Jr. showed up in No Way Home, and he was craven chasing Aunt May. Is it a prophecy or a wet dream? Well, it's not a prophecy because... They already announced a long time ago that Aaron Taylor Johnson is going to be craven. Now, I haven't heard them say that's no longer the case. So they announced that. As far as I know, that's still the case. So I don't think now I do believe there is a possibility that we do see uh Robert Downey Jr. in No Way Home. A very small possibility, like unlikely, but I believe there's a chance we see him in there. I think it makes narrative sense. We've talked about it before, but I don't think it'll be as craven. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think the chances are very good that it'll be Craven. All right. Next up, we've got uh Ike Nuoko who writes, Spider-Man No Way Home prediction. I think the post-credit scene will have Spider-Man hear a mysterious figure call out his name, Peter Parker. When he turns around, he'll see that it was Venom speaking and he'll yell, What the F as it cuts to black. I Look, you know, I completely believe, I think it's a very, very safe bet at this point that we are going to see Venom in No Way Home. I mean, I think the ending of Venom 2 makes that pretty clear. I actually think he's going to show up earlier than like a post credit scene or anything like that. I think it'll actually be, be a part of the movie. Now, I'm not saying it's necessarily Venom's going to be a big part of the movie, but I actually think he's going to be part of the movie. Now, I don't know that. I don't know that. That's just kind of my, where my thoughts are right now, Ike. But we will see, man. We will see. All right. Next up, we've got Kieran, who writes, Hey, John. With John Walks, with John Watts working on Fantastic Four, what are the chances the next Spider-Man movies have a new director? 100%. I think it's 100%. It's actually one of the reasons why I think the next round of Spider-Man movies are going to be made over at Sony and in the Sony-verse. Because I think if they were going to continue on with Spider-Man movies under the MCU and in Marvel, I think John Watts would just continue to direct them. And now they're moving him off that and they're moving him over to Fantastic Four. Now, that's not a sure thing. Of course not. Um, he very well could be staying in the MCU, maybe not. But yeah, I think it's pretty clear that wherever the next Spider-Man movie is, be it in the MCU or over in the Sony-verse, I think it's pretty clear at this point, Kieran, that you're right on. I think it's definitely going to be a different director at that point. Okay, next up. We got porn star Martini who writes, Hey, John, could we see in the No Way Home Post credit of something to do with Olivia Wilde's movie Spider-Woman? No, zero chance. And the events uh, in this film indirectly introduce this character? No. Uh, movie is supposed to be out in 2023. It's something we all forgot about, including me. Yeah, I don't think there's any chance of that, to be honest with you. I don't think they've cast. So they would have to have cast already. The role hasn't been cast. Uh, it's still very, very early in its development. Plus, again, everybody's just throwing the kitchen sink at this movie now. Like a little bit earlier, somebody said, could Sharon Carter be in it? Uh, could this person be in it? Now, can Spider Woman be in it? Like, and I just feel like everybody's throwing everything at this. And I just think, look, there's only so much one movie can handle and hold as far as different storylines and narratives and all this kind of stuff. And so, look, back to what I said earlier. Is it possible... It's possible. Is it likely? I think it's highly, highly unlikely. But you never know, man. You never know. But I'll, I'll, I'll go on record and say I think it's very, very unlikely. All right. Willow writes, do you have a favorite graphic that Ray made for the show? I still remember how everyone was traumatized by the one depicting Pikachu getting impaled by Thanos. I love that one. Actually, I don't have it. But uh, give me. let me see if I can find it. Give me one second. Okay, I took a second to find it, but I did find it. So, I was doing a cutscene, like a video game cutscene movie review for Uncharted 4: Thief's End, and I asked Ray if he could make a graphic for it, and he made this. I I think this is my favorite because obviously put my face on it. I think this might be my favorite Ray Aura graphic. That one we're, we're thanos is impaling pikachu i think is magnificent. Actually Ray does a lot of magnificent thumbnails, but this honestly for me is one of my absolutely most famous ones, a, f- a favorite ones. He did such a good it actually looks like that's the graphic. He did such a great job on that. Ray does such good work on these uh on these thumbs. I tell you what, he's just so good at it. All right. Uh next up, thank you for that Willow. Next up, we got N Castiganeri, who writes I want the animated X-Men to show up in Multiverse of Madness and then just keep them in the MCU Roger Rabbit style. No explanation. No one comments on it. Big surprises. Love the show, you guys. Well, thank you so much for that. And yeah, look, I obviously I don't think they're going to do that, uh, nor do I think we're going to have animated Miles Morales in it. bit. That would be kind of funny if they did just bring in these animated characters and nobody even mentions the fact that they're animated. Like, it's just everybody just accepts it, and they don't even even give any kind of thought or commentary on it whatsoever. That would be kind of funny. All right. Last one of the day, guys. Uh, This one comes to us from King uh, Artros of Monteval, who writes, one of two. Hey, John and crew. Well, it's just John right now. I just wanted to give a shout-out to the great oracle Tina Fey. A few years ago, she produced a show called Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. i saw but I didn't finish it, but I saw a bunch of that. It was kind of fun. Uh, it starred Ellie Kempner uh, and Titus Burgess. In the fourth episode of season one, the character Titus uh, Andromedon, and Dramadon, I did see this episode. I know the one you're talking about. Played by Burgess, played a struggling actor. In the episode, he auditioned for a play. The play was called Spider-Man 2 Too Many Spider-Men. I couldn't stop laughing at the song. I can't remember the songs, though, and him trying to learn the dance choreography and bring on the filthy. Yeah, I everybody was talking about the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. So and I never did watch it. So finally, I decided just last year sometime, I decided I was going to watch a couple of episodes and, you know, see what all the uh, all the buzz was about. So I, I watched the first few episodes. I probably watched five or six episodes. And you know what? I liked it. But I just never kept on with it. I'm not really quite sure why. Uh, Oh, well, it's just one of the shows, but it won a lot of awards and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, man. All right, listen. There are still more questions to come from Murray Reich, Justin W., Fanimator, and others. Do not worry, guys. We're going to pick up right where we left off here on tomorrow's John Campion Show. So if you haven't seen your question get answered yet, it'll be coming up here uh, probably sometime tomorrow. So come on back and check that out. But for now... That'll do it for this installment of the companion videos. Guys, thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your evening. Big thank you to all you guys who sent in these questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campus Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. All right, guys, don't forget to come back and join us again tomorrow for the newest episode of the John Campia Show with me, Ray and Aaron. We hope you guys will join us for that. And until next time, my friends, thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia, And until then. Bye bye.